Last week, I introduced our preview by saying a win wouldn't even teach us all that much about the Packers. In a backwards kind of way, that ended up being completely true. A win didn't teach us anything about the Packers because they didn't win. But you know what? That is fine. Because we got the next best thing thanks to that loss. Utter chaos. I think if you can't root for the Packers to win, rooting for chaos either in Green Bay or around the league is the second best option. Very few things are interesting when they go according to plan. But fortunately, right now very few things about the Packers can be said to be going according to plan. The head coach is gone, the starting quarterback is playing kind of weirdly, and the defense seems to have to grow to great lengths to just find enough healthy players to play every week. Heck, the Packers' long snapper is hurt right now. That's how weird and wild things are. Who's going to be snapping balls for punts and field goals and extra points on Sundays? As of right now, who knows? And to me, that's pretty great. Chaos means there's always something going on. Chaos means there's a thousand different possibilities for how things can turn out. Chaos means we can look back in five years and think about how it's strange that things turned out this way instead of that way. Chaos makes things interesting. As bad as things have been for the Packers since Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone in Minnesota last year, there's been very little outside-the-box type activity. But now, now we are completely off the map. The Packers are sailing through chaos, and if they're not going to be winning, I don't think there's anywhere else I'd rather have them be. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58. I am your host, John Meerdink. Excited to be with you here as we take a look ahead to this weekend's game against the Atlanta Falcons. Here are five things for you to think about during this Sunday's game. Number one, of all the Packers' recent recurring opponents, their games with the Falcons have been the most reliably high-scoring. Dating back to the 2011 regular season, the Packers and Falcons have played seven times. In five of those seven games, at least one team has scored 30 or more points. In three, at least one team has cracked 40 points. Twice, both teams have finished with more than 30 points. If that trend continues, we should be seeing a shootout on Sunday. Number two, for all the conversations surrounding the emergence of Packers running back Aaron Jones, the Packers rushing attack statistically trails behind their 2017 team. Last season, before their Week 14 game against the Cleveland Browns, the Packers had run for 1,303 yards, an average of 108.6 per game. This season, the Packers have rushed for 1,268 yards, averaging just 105.7 per game. Number three, the Packers are a drastically different team than the one that visited Atlanta a little more than a year ago. Of the 43 players who participated in a play on offense, defense, or special teams in last year's game, just 18 are still on the active roster for the Packers this week. The other 25 are either on injured reserve or have been released or traded since then. Number four, neither Aaron Rodgers nor Matt Ryan is among their expected positions among the league leaders in volume passing stats, but both are still having nominally efficient seasons. Ryan, in particular, is doing very well in the efficiency stats, throwing at TDs TDs at a rate above his career average and throwing interceptions at a rate below his career average. 
The big play has always been key for both Rodgers and Ryan, and both are maintaining their place among the top big play producers in the league, particularly among the biggest of big plays. The two are tied for the second most touchdown passes of 75 or more yards over the past 10 years. Each have thrown 10 touchdowns at that length or longer, and they trail only Pittsburgh's Ben Roethlisberger, who has thrown 11. They have both thrown one such touchdown pass this year. Number five, the Packers sack the opposing quarterback on 9.77% of dropbacks, best in the league. They are tied for third in the league with 38 sacks overall. Those sacks have come at pretty important moments, too. Green Bay leads the NFL with 24 sacks in the second half of games. They are also in third place with 15 sacks in the fourth quarter and second in the league with 18 sacks on third downs. The Falcons' defense, meanwhile, is currently ranked 28th in scoring and 26th in yards. They are led by defensive coordinator Marquand Manuel, who should be a familiar name to Packers fans. He started 16 games at strong safety for Green Bay in 2006 after he signed a five-year, $10 million contract as one of general manager Ted Thompson's first free agent acquisitions. He was released after training camp in 2007, but went on to play for three more NFL teams. We're changing things up a little bit with this next segment. Though both the Packers and Falcons technically have something to play for this week, it's really just that, a technicality. Nobody really believes the Packers or Falcons are going to make any serious noise down the stretch here. So we'll do something different than we've done over the past 13 weeks or so. Instead of looking at an X factor, we're going to pick one younger player to focus on for each of the next four games. Our list is going to start with offensive lineman Alex Light, one of four undrafted rookies to make the Packers roster this season. He has not yet been active for a game this year, but he has a similar background and skill set to 2018 fifth round pick Cole Madison. A college tackle, Light can play both guard and tackle for the Packers, and he could get an opportunity this week with both David Bakhtiari and Brian Bulaga hobbled by injury. So what happened the last time the Packers and Falcons played? The last Packers-Falcons game game happened less than 15 months ago, but it feels like absolutely ancient history given what's happened with the Packers over the last year and a half or so. The Packers traveled to Atlanta in week two of the 2017 season to help the Falcons kick off their first year in the brand spanking new Mercedes-Benz Stadium. The Packers were pretty seriously banged up on the offensive line that week. David Bakhtiari, Brian Bulaga, and Jason Spriggs were all inactive, leading to a starting tackle tandem of Lane Taylor and Kyle Murphy. Fairly predictably, Aaron Rodgers was hassled all day. He was sacked three times, hit seven other times, and was generally bothered enough to put the Packers into bad spots so that the Falcons pretty much extended a lead and the Packers could never really make it close. The Falcons coasted to a much less close than it looked, 34-23 to win. So who's going to win this time? I really don't know who wins this one, but if the Packers are going to win a game over the last four chances they have this year, this one or the Jets game in a couple weeks is probably their best opportunity. The Falcons' defense is, to put it plainly, not very good. They've dealt with injuries all season and are still doing so this week. Those injuries have affected their raw numbers and their efficiency stats. As we mentioned before, the Falcons are the league's 28th ranked scoring defense and come into this week's game 26th in yards. By DVOA, they are the worst defense in the league, coming in at 31st against the pass and 29th against the run. If the Packers can't move the ball in this game, they might never. 
I think the Packers get a bit of a late season bounce off the firing of Mike McCarthy, though, and they win a sloppy one, 34-28. That's just one man's opinion, though, and not surprisingly, the poll results are not super optimistic about this week. According to our weekly online poll, voters have just a 52% confidence rating that the Packers are going to come out with a win on Sunday. But even with the low belief in the Packers' ability to win, most voters do not believe the team should tank. 62% of voters in our polls said the Packers should not try to lose games to get a better draft position. And overall, people are feeling better about the team in the wake of Mike McCarthy's departure. Weighted approval ratings for the team overall, Brian Gutekunst, Mike Pettin, the defense, and the offense all went up this week. But one key Packers figures rating did drop. Aaron Rodgers, his weighted approval rating is currently at 51.25%, his lowest number of the year by 3%. We do have a couple new additions to the poll this week, just as we did with Mike McCarthy. We'll be tracking Joe Philbin's approval rating. He debuted this week with a 70.25% weighted approval score, which is higher than Mike McCarthy's rating was at any point this season except prior to the Packers' week one game against the Bears. We're also going to be tracking your opinions on Mark Murphy's handling of the Packers coaching search. As of today, our poll revealed a weighted approval rating of 63.25% for the job Murphy has done so far. I have a feeling that could change as we go through the next few weeks. One last thought. I've used variations of it a couple times in this very episode and elsewhere, but I'm kind of tickled by the assessment that these games don't mean anything. Of course they don't. None of these games mean anything. And that's kind of the point. As this Packers season has spiraled out of control, I've thought back fairly frequently to why I started blogging about the Packers in the first place. When I launched my first Packers blog in 2012, RIP Packer Perspective, I had recently started my first ever job as a local radio news reporter. I was feeling a little burned out one night after a week full of reporting on school board votes and city council meetings and, you know, town or uh, county board meetings and small town crime. That stuff is important, but it's also pretty mind numbing. I don't know if you've ever actually sat through a school board meeting, but sitting through it and trying to draw any meaning out of it is a difficult exercise at times. So in my free time, I wanted to do something that I enjoyed, like writing, about something that I enjoyed, like the Packers. That it ultimately didn't matter was exactly what appealed to it, to me. Ultimately, who cares if the Packers win or lose? Sure, it's great if they win, but it can can all be interesting and fun. The little nuances about roster moves, about who gets hired at a particular point, about why one guy is a candidate and why one guy isn't. All of that can be interesting. Now, this next stretch may not be great for the Packers, and these games might be functionally meaningless, but it's all pretty meaningless stuff if you stop to think about it for any amount of time. And that's fine. Let's all enjoy the meaninglessness together, because we're going to be here about talking about it, whether the Packers win or lose on Sunday, and I hope you're ready to do the same, because I think we can have a lot of fun with this, even if the Packers are not super great right now. That's all I've got for you for this preview. Let's see what happens on Sunday, shall we? It'll be interesting to see if the Packers come out firing, uh, maybe as one in-memorial offensive output effort for Mike McCarthy. It's a brave new world, and we're excited to be in it. 
We'll see you after the game. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Blue 58. Blue 58! Hut! Hut!